Welcome to the Jumpstart Your Faith podcast channel, where you will receive the essential tools to take your faith to the next level. I am your host, Brian Ratliff, and I currently pastor Clearbrook Baptist Church in Roanoke, Virginia. Here is the latest message preached from one of our services. Grab your Bible, pen, notepad, and get ready to jumpstart your faith. I've got a pop quiz for you today. I'm sure that's exactly what you wanted to hear our first day back inside the auditorium. But I promise it, it won't be too hard, but it will require some critical thinking skills on your behalf. But before I ask you the question, I want you to put yourself in the shoes of an Old Testament Jewish believer. So Jesus is not incarnated yet. He has not come. So just imagine only the Old Testament is in our perspective. My question for you is this, and it's multiple choice. I made it so easy for you. Who is the greatest Old Testament character of all time? A, Abraham. B, Moses. Or C, David. I know there's a lot of other characters we could pick and we could choose and we could talk about. But let's just assume these are the only three choices you got. What would you choose? Some might say Abraham, because Abraham is like the patriarch of the Old Testament, and in a sense, our faith as well. Some might say David, because he, his life literally pictured a life of Jesus Christ, how he was the king of Israel. But then some might say Moses. Why would they say Moses? Well, if you have ever read the New Testament, you'll find that the writers in the New Testament say, when they go back to the Old Testament, they refer to the prophets, they refer to the Psalms, and they refer to the writings of who? Moses. Moses was the one who went on Mount Sinai and met with God. Moses was the one who brought down the Ten Commandments to the people of God. Moses was the one that God used to lead the nation of Israel out of the land of Egypt and into the land, in a sense, flowing with, or the wilderness, that would one day they would get to the land flowing with milk and honey. This is the same Moses who, who, who fed manna to the people of Israel. The same Moses who gave Israel to water to drink after hitting the rock. The same Moses who is inspired by God to pen words of Scripture. I would argue that an, that an Old Testament Jew or a Jewish believer today would believe that Moses is the greatest character of the Old Testament of all time. It's interesting, we, we know that Moses' body is nowhere to be found. And I, I think that the reason why Moses' body is yet to be found is because the people who are called themselves Jews would worship that body instead of worshiping the God who gave that Moses life. In John's Gospel, the very fifth chapter, we read about Jesus and he refers to Moses. And he says, he says these words in John chapter 5, Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one that accuses you, even Moses, in whom you trust. They trusted in Moses, the one who led the people of Israel to celebrate the Passover. I mean, the celebration of celebrations in the Old Testament. And he goes on to say this, For had you believed Moses, you would have believed me. For he wrote of me. So he goes back and he says in Genesis, in Exodus, in Leviticus, in Numbers, in Deuteronomy, all five of those books, Moses was writing about me. And then he says, but if you believe not his writings, how shall you believe my words? In Luke's gospel, 
In the 16th chapter, we read about the rich man and Lazarus. And the rich man is having a conversation with Abraham. And Abraham says, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, if they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. The early church says these words in Acts chapter 3. For Moses truly said unto the fathers, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren like unto me. Him shall you hear in all things whatsoever he shall say unto you. The writer of Hebrews is writing to these Jewish believers. And they were being tempted to lay aside the grace of Jesus Christ that they received freely to go back underneath the Old Testament covenant and the Old Testament law. And Jesus, excuse me, and the writer of Hebrews, he is, he is coming to this point in his, in his great sermon that we believe it was like a sermon. And he is now bringing up to the platform one of the greatest figures, if not in my opinion, the greatest figure of the Old Testament apart from God, Moses. Today, my sermon is labeled as this. Jesus is better than Moses. Jesus always has been and always will be greater, superior, and better than Moses. Jesus Christ is the best there was, the best there is, and the best there ever will be. Remember, as we've been studying the book of Hebrews, it's been since March, I know, but, but the, the theme of this book is that Jesus is superior to everything in this world, especially everything into the Old Testament. In the first chapter, we read about how, and, and bleeding into the second chapter, how the angels are brought to mind. And the Jewish people, they esteemed angelic beings at a very high regard. And the writer of Hebrews says, Jesus is greater than any angelic being, greater than, than Michael, greater than Gabriel, and greater than Lucifer, greater than all the seraphims and cherubims and every other angel. And that leads us to the word, wherefore. Every time you read the word wherefore in the Bible or therefore, they're very similar. And, and it just means to pause and reflect upon what you just read because what's about to occur is something that I've been leading up to tell you. And before we move forward, I want to ask this question. And in fact, maybe you're thinking this in your mind. Well, Brother Brian, how is Jesus better than Moses? I'm glad you asked. Because I want to share with you five specific reasons why I personally believe that Jesus is better than Moses. Look at verse number one. I wrote down this thought. Jesus is better than Moses... Because he is the great apostle. Jesus is better than Moses because he is the great apostle. Look at verse number one. The Bible says, wherefore, holy brethren. Say holy with me. Holy. Say it again. Holy. This word holy, it means set apart. So God it has set apart these men and these women because they are redeemed. They are saved. 
And he says, holy brethren, listen, Jesus has set us apart and greater is he that is in us and greater is he that's in the world. And God is the one who uses us and sets us apart from the world. But I'm afraid that our world today is influencing the church more than the church is influencing the world. I'm afraid that the church is acting more like the world than the world acting more like the church. And here there's a summon on our plate here that says that we are holy, we are of the faith, and we are to live a different lifestyle. And he says, partakers. That is, they gathered around this particular thought and they are receiving and, and fulfilling this calling, a divine calling. And he leads us to this, to these two words. Consider Jesus. The writer is saying, it's now time to draw our attention to the greatest character that has ever lived on this earth. Greater than David, greater than Abraham, and greater than Moses. Jesus. Maybe our world needs to consider Jesus a little bit more. Maybe our world needs to consider Jesus more than what's on Fox News and CNN and any other news outlet. Maybe we need to consider Jesus more than we consider social media and more than we consider the newspaper. Notice the word profession in this verse. This word profession gives the idea of like a confession, that we stand and we confess that Jesus is Lord, that He's our Savior, and that our life, the words we speak, and the life that we live matches the body of doctrine portrayed in the very words of Scripture. Now with that in mind, let's look at the first point today. The first word is apostle. I want to draw your attention to Say apostle. Apostle. Say it again, please. Apostle, one more time, apostle. Jesus is better than Moses because he is the great apostle. So what exactly is an apostle? Well, I'm sure you know what an apostle is. You've been studying the Bible for a long time. But in case you don't know, the word apostle literally means one who is sent. But in the context of this chapter, I believe that the writer of Hebrews is saying that Moses is an apostle who typifies the great apostle, Jesus Christ. So let's consider Moses just for a second. God, you know Moses' story. Moses' family took him because of the word of the king, took him and they put him in a basket and they put the basket in the river and the river drifted down and then some of Pharaoh's family, they find this basket and they see a little baby's in there so they take the little baby boy in and that baby's boy's name was Moses. And Moses, as time goes on, realizes that his own kin, his blood family, is Hebrew. And so he wants to go and meet them and be with them. And along those journeys, we find Moses on the backside of the desert. And God speaks to him audibly through a burning bush that was not consumed. And he said, speak unto Pharaoh. Let my people go. And so we see that God gave him a specific commission to march into Pharaoh's palace and to say, Pharaoh, it is high time that you let the people of God go and sacrifice to their God and be about their duty. You see, at that time, the Israelites were ex experiencing great bondage, great slavery concerning the Egyptians. They, they, they beat them into, into working harder and harder and harder and harder. And God said, finally, it's time for them to be relieved. And so Moses leads them 
out after all the plagues, after the blood on the doorpost, and, and after those being dead died. And then they march away, and then we read about how Pharaoh comes and tries to capture them, and Moses lifts his rod up, and then the Red Sea parts, the nation of Israel cross, and then Pharaoh's army is swallowed up in the Red Sea. God called Moses to lead his people. We transition into the New Testament. We read about the 12 apostles plus the apostle Paul. So I guess you could say the 13 apostles. And we understand that their apostleship was a lot different than anybody who's called an apostle today. You see, I'm of the persuasion that those 13 individuals and maybe a handful of others, they received an apostleship that was different than ours. They had gifts that were miraculous like Jesus had and he bestowed some of those gifts upon them and they went around healing those people who were sick and raising some that were dead and giving sight to those who were blind and giving ears to those who could not hear. And we read about them doing that and they had those gifts because they interacted with Jesus, they lived in his day and they received that gift straight from him. But now an apostle, as Paul elaborated, in Ephesians, an apostle is part of the church, and that is just simply somebody who is sent to go spread the good news of Jesus Christ. So listen, as we leave the service, you can just call me Apostle Ratliff, because I have been sent to Roanoke, just like you have, to go into the highways and the byways and the hedges and compel the people to come to know Christ as Savior. Why do we do that? Because the greatest apostle is not Moses, is not Paul, and is not me and not you. The greatest apostle was, was received a divine commission from God the Father. And God the Son left his heavenly throne and he inhabits humanity, clothes himself with flesh, and there he drove himself. He did not waver. He did not budge. He did not deter from the plan that God had for him, and that is to go to the old rugged cross and there to die for our sins, to die for the sins of the world, to die for the people who had no hope, for the people whose destination was hell. Why is Jesus better than Moses? Because as Moses was sent, it only typifies the greatest apostle, Jesus Christ. So Jesus is better, Jesus is greater, and Jesus is always and always has been superior to Moses. He is the best there was, the best there is, and the best there ever will be. That leads me to a second reason. How is Jesus better than Moses? Or why is Jesus better than Moses? We see the word apostle, but then we see two words that follow apostle, and that is high priest. Would you say that with me? High priest. Say it again. High priest. One more time, please. High priest. Secondly, Jesus is better than Moses because he is the great high priest. Jesus is better than Moses because he is the great high priest. A priest was somebody in the Old Testament who kind of received the calling of God to serve God full time, if you will. To dedicate their life to serving the Lord Jesus Christ. But I learned something as I've been studying for this passage. I read in Psalm 99 that Moses was a priest. 
And it's interesting, as I begin to meditate more in these six verses, I begin to think that, that if the writer of Hebrews is, is correlating Jesus and Moses, and he talks about Jesus' apostleship, talks about Jesus being the high priest, then surely it would make sense that Moses was a priest to some extent. But we know that Aaron's lineage and Aaron's line would give way to the high priest. And the high priest was not just the one who was studying the Word of God and sharing the Word of God and counseling the people of God and praying with the people of God. And we know that the, the priests were scattered all throughout the land of, of Israel so that they could be accessible and so that the people could go and, and talk to the man of God to receive word from God and then to, be, to pray with them. And then we understand that the priest sat underneath the high priest. And so the high priest pastored the priest and the priest pastored the people. That was the setup in the Old Testament. And we read about how in, in, in Exodus and Leviticus and some of those passages about the Day of Atonement, where the, not, not just any old priest, but the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies, whether in the tabernacle or in the temple, and he would march in and he would atone for his own sins once a year, and then he would atone for the sins of the entire congregation of Israel. And this all typified, as Hebrews says, Jesus is the great high priest. But before we get to Jesus being the high priest, we understand that Peter talks about how we are all priests. That is, we are a believer is a priest. And we are called to do God's bidding as a priest. But we are not a high priest. You see, Moses might have been a priest, Aaron might have been a priest, and others might have been a high priest, but none of them compare to the worthy and the awe and the amazing power found in the great high priest, Jesus. Because Jesus... He tore the veil in the temple when he died on the cross and it was on the altar of the cross when that whole Levitical system was done away with. Now I don't have to go into the priest's office or the pastor's office and, and confess my sins to him so that he can go to, to the Father and pray and all that, that stuff that we hear about. Now we have direct access to God through Jesus Christ. So why is Jesus better than Moses? Hey, listen, you can pray to Moses all you want to, but Moses is not going to save you from your sins. You can pray to David and Abraham and Aaron and anybody else in the Old Testament. They're not going to save you. Only Jesus can. Jesus is better than Moses. Consider him, church. He's better than anybody. He's the best there was, the best there is, and the best there ever will be. Why or how is he better than Moses, you ask? Well, let's look at verse 2. That leads me to the third thought today. As I read verse number 2, I wrote down this. Jesus is better than Moses because he is the great faithful servant. Jesus is better than Moses because he is the great faithful servant. Look at verse number 2. The Bible says who. Remember, who who is referring to. It's referring to Jesus. Here it says who, and he says consider Jesus in verse number 1, how he is the apostle, he is the high priest of our profession or our confession. And then he says in verse number 2, who was Faithful. There's three words I want to draw your attention to in verse number two. That's the word faithful, that's the word appointed, and that's the word house. We see a correlation between the faithfulness of Jesus Christ and the faithfulness of Moses found in verse number two. And the Bible says that this Jesus was faithful. And this word faithful is an interesting word, and it literally means, it means trustworthy. This word faithful, it means trustful. This word faithful, it means believing. And in a sense, like this, it's like we can believe in this Jesus in such a way that our faith will not fail. We, this word also means sure. 
In other words, he is anchored into the foundation of the word of God and he is not going to move. And then it also means true. I like how Jesus said it. This is, this is the words of Jesus. This is not second or third opinions. This is the very words of Jesus. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. The greatest truth in all the world is found in Jesus. Why? Because he was faithful to fulfill the task that God the Father gave him. I wonder what could be said about us. Look at this. The Bible literally says that Moses and Jesus were faithful to the task that they were given. Could that be said about us? Look at the next word, appointed. This word appointed. It literally means to make or to do. In other words, God gave a task to Jesus. And Jesus couldn't do anything else but fulfill it. And we see that Jesus did that. We read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and we clearly see the life of Jesus. Matthew and Luke elaborate how Jesus was born of a virgin, of Mary. The Gospels elaborate how he lived. He grew to be about 30 years of age, and he began his earthly ministry. And there, after being tempted and tested of the devil for 40 days and 40 nights, he marches in and launches into his earthly ministry, and there he literally shook the world in the smallest region of the world. And we're still talking about him today. So I submit to you that Jesus is literally the greatest character that this world has ever seen. Because of the ministry that God appointed him to do. But you see, he didn't come to heal those who were sick and to raise Lazarus from the dead and to give um, sight and ears to those who didn't have them. Literally, Jesus came to do one thing, and that is to appease the very wrath of God the Father. He came to die in our place. He died a death that he did not deserve because we owed a payment that we could not pay. As I think about the task that Jesus did, yes, they, he died, he was placed in that borrowed tomb, and he rose victoriously from the grave. And today we can literally sing about the victory found in Jesus because Jesus is no longer dead. But I wonder, as Jesus was faithful to this message, would we be faithful to this message? Listen, there is no doubt about, there might have been a doubt in my life at some point, but there is no doubt that this book that I'm holding is the very words of God, that every word is true, sure, anchored in the foundation found in heaven of God's throne and from his mouth. And so we can literally take this book right here and we can march forward this book. One historian, one character in church history said, the Bible doesn't need to be defended. Just let it loose and it will defend itself. Today, church, I'm not saying that we shouldn't try to reason or to debate people about the word of God and try to try to use apologetics about and share reasons why we believe. But here, I, I want to tell you something. The Bible does not say go into all the world and debate the scriptures. The Bible says to go into all the world and declare the very words of the gospel. So that is our commission. That is our uh, appointed mandate that God has given to us. And are we being faithful to do it? Let's continue to do that. Let's be faithful. But then check it out now. The Bible goes on in transitions, speaks about Jesus, how he was faithful in his calling and his appointment. And 
And then it goes and, and talks about Moses. It says, as also Moses was faithful in all his house. This word house, it can also be translated temple. And it's interesting, when we think about Moses, we think about how he oversaw the household of faith in the Old Testament. And God used him. But then Moses was the one who received the instructions on how to build the tabernacle and the temple. And we see they did that. And also what's interesting is, you know, as well as I do, Moses wasn't perfect. Earlier in Moses' life in the book of Exodus, we read about how Moses murdered somebody. Then we read about on the wilderness journey how Moses hit the rock when God told him not to. And we see that Moses was not able to go into the land of Canaan because of some of those acts of disobedience. The great figure of the Old Testament wasn't able to march in. We see that God's word will always be God's word. And what says the scripture is what says and what goes. But even in the midst of Moses not being fully faithful like we are, not fully faithful every day, but he was faithful to do one thing. And that is to receive the word of God and to deliver the word of God to the people. And to lead those people. Why or how is Jesus better than Moses? He's better because he is the great apostle. He is the great high priest. He is the great faithful servant. He came not to minister. Not to be, excuse me, he came not to be ministered unto, but he came to minister others. He came not to be served, but he came to serve. Jesus Christ is better than Moses. He is superior. He is greater, and he always will be than any other figure this world has ever seen. He is the best there was, the best there is, and the best there ever will be. May I now draw your attention now to verses 3 and 4 as we move forward in this sermon and in our passage. The, the fourth reason of why I believe that Jesus is better is found in these next two verses. But let's read these verses and I'll give it to you. It says, For this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses. Wow, that's a powerful statement. And he says, Inasmuch as he who has builded the house has more honor than the house. For every house is built by some man, but he that built all things is God. Here's what I wrote down. Jesus Christ is better than Moses because he is the great creator. Jesus Christ is better than Moses because he is the great creator. It is no secret that when I was in middle school, I was introduced to a piece of wood with wheels on it called a skateboard. And that piece of wood literally ruled my life. I ate, slept, drank, and breathed skateboarding. When I would go to school, I could not focus on algebra. I could not focus on history. I could not focus on biology because that board... And those wheels is what was going on in my mind. Wonder if this trick I could do or that trick or we could go to this skate park or we go to this area and we could film this and make this little video. Looking back, it was literally the greatest idol I ever made in my life. And I guess if you put your mind to something, you can do anything you do. And I am no carpenter or craftsman. But I got the itch that I wanted to build a ramp so I could skateboard on it. And I went and asked my dad, I said, Dad, would you help me come and build this 
skateboard ramp. So we go to Lowe's and we, we get the plywood, we get the two by fours, we get the screws, we get the nails, we get the angle iron, we get all the essentials that we needed to build this ramp. And in one afternoon, by the grace and mercy of God, we did it. And I shared that with you to say this. Look at this facility. Look at these walls. Look at these windows. Look at these ceiling tiles, the chandeliers, the fans, the speakers. Imagine I went to Lowe's and I said, I'm going to buy all the bricks. I'm going to buy all the mortar. I'm going to buy all the essentials for the foundation. I'm going to buy the shingles. I'm going to buy everything. And we're going to come and we're going to place it on the property here. And we're going to wait a week and see if the building builds itself. Better yet, we're going to wait a year and see if the building builds itself. Better yet, we're going to wait 10 years, 20 years, 30, 40, 50 years. We're going to see if the building will build itself. It doesn't take a PhD in philosophy to figure out that that, that building will never build itself unless hands come and take that building or the blocks to build a building and put it in place. In like manner, it is complete foolishness to look at this world and say that God did not build this world by the word of his mouth. The Bible literally says here in this verse and in verses 1 through 3 of Hebrews chapter 1 and many, many other places in the Bible, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. The Bible is clear that this world is not an accident. This world didn't just build itself and is not the product of millions and, millions and billions of years of Darwinian evolutionism. This world was crafted and built by God. And in like manner, we see that because God is the builder, He deserves more honor than those He uses to build His structure. In, in a sense here, we see Moses received a word from God to build this tabernacle. And the Israelites received this word from God to build this temple. And they built it. And we read about Solomon's temple. We read about some of those things and, 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 and how it was very, very elaborate. And listen, listen, they, they went first class with this facility. And we read about how when they gathered in there, they worshiped Jehovah God. But the reason why is they didn't worship that temple. They worshiped the God who gave them instructions to build that temple. And today we do not worship this world and the creatures in the world. We worship the God who created the creatures that are living in this world. And also, as we move forward, we think about, we think about the New Testament. We read about when Jesus said, he said, I will build my church. We are the sowers. We are the planters. And God is the one who gives the increase. Yes, we know that we refer to building, church building programs and all that bunch of stuff, but we understand this, that God is the true church builder. He is the one who builds his congregations all over the world. He's the one who saves sinners, and he uses you and he uses me in that process. So he deserves the greatest glory. Because no man like Moses saved us, but God stepped in and harvested our souls. Why is he better? He's the faithful servant. He's the great creator. He's the great high priest and the great apostle. But now I want to draw your attention to verses 5 and 6. The fifth and final reason I have of why 
the Son of God is greater than Moses. Let's read these verses and I'll share the statement with you. And Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant, for as a testimony of those things which were to be spoken after. But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house are we? But if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. As I read these two verses, I wrote down the fifth and final reason. And that's this. Jesus Christ is better than Moses because he is the great son of God. Jesus Christ is better than Moses because he is the great son of God. We understand that we are all sons and daughters of God. All those who know Jesus Christ as Savior are sons and daughters of God. But there's only one, the son of God. And that is Jesus Christ. It's interesting. Look at verse 5. I want to draw your attention to the word testimony. Say that with me. Testimony. Say it again, please. Testimony. One more time, please. Testimony. This word testimony literally gives the idea of bearing witness of. And so in the heavenly courtroom, because understand, this is the word from heaven. In the heavenly courtroom, Moses is being called to the stand to do one thing, and that is to testify of the very words of God. You see, it is this Moses who's on the stand who marched into Pharaoh's palace. But it is God, it is this Jesus, who gave him the words to march in. It was this Moses who led the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt. But it was God, it was this Jesus, who gave them the cloud by day and the fire by night. It was this Moses who held up his rod at the Red Sea. But it was this Jesus who sent the strong east wind for the Red Sea to part. You see, it was this Moses who brought manna to the Israelites and said, Here, eat. But it was this Jesus who left his throne and said, I am the bread of life. Whoever eats of my flesh shall never die. You see, why do I believe Jesus is better? Because the life of Moses is simply a picture, a witness, a testimony of a greater prophet, a greater apostle, a greater priest, a greater servant, Jesus. Consider him. He is all we need. But now we come to the very debate of verse 6. The word if in the English Bible has caused so many people to have a lot of controversy. The writer of Hebrews delivers about four or five, depending on how you separate them, strong warning passages to these Hebrew believers. Keep in mind, these Jewish believers, they were Jewish. They grew up in a Jewish household. They went to synagogue. They read the Torah. They had a rabbi. And they had family who perhaps was putting pressure on them to leave the grace of Jesus Christ and go back to the Old Testament system. And so the writer of Hebrews says, Hey guys, um, let's consider this Jesus. He is greater than the greatest figure in your Old Testament. He's greater than Moses. There is no need to go back to the Old Covenant when we have the New Covenant found in Jesus Christ. There's no need to go back to the Old Testament when we have Jesus Christ, the one who is establishing the New Testament. And here's how I've come to understand verse 6. The true church, no matter how great of a trial, no matter how great of a tribulation, no matter how great of a temptation, and no matter how great of a test, will always persevere in their faith. As we come to our own lives today, maybe God is allowing this stuff to go on in our world 
so that the true church can be separated from the false church. Jesus is better than Moses. In the 1800s, we read about many characters. But there's a guy that, that you probably never heard of. His name, is, his name was Edward Mote. He was a pastor in Rehoboth Baptist Church in Horsham, West Sussex. Sussex, excuse me. He loved shepherding the flock that God gave him. He loved preaching the word of God to the people there. He loved counseling the congregation. He loved praying with them. He loved visiting with them. But he also had a great passion. And that was for writing music. Historians tell us he wrote about a hundred hymns. But there's one that tops them all. That literally would shake continents and deliver a great truth about our Lord. And in 1834, God gave him that song. And the words go like this. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. As I was reading Hebrews chapter 3, the Holy Spirit brought to my mind, I believe, this song. Because if you try to stand on Moses, it is sinking sand. If you try to stand on angelic beings, it is sinking sand. If you try to stand on the Old Testament law, it is alone, it is sinking sand. But if you stand upon the firm foundation of Jesus Christ, you will stand for all eternity. Jesus Christ is the best there was, the best there is, and the best there ever will be. Jesus is superior, Jesus is greater, and Jesus always will be better than Moses. Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in to the Jumpstart Your Faith podcast channel. As a token of my appreciation for you listening today, I would like to give you my free ebook devotional called Jumpstart Your Faith, 30 Days to a Renewed Faith in Christ. Just go to www.pastorbrianratliff.com to download it. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast channel to listen to more messages like today's. And if these messages have been helpful to you, please leave a review. If I could be of any help in your spiritual walk, please let me know by emailing me at pastorbrianratliff at yahoo.com. And one last thing, if you're in Roanoke, please consider joining us for one of our worship services at Clearbrook Baptist Church. Until next time, may God's blessings be upon you and have a great week.